I love being edged on a podcast. My girl, walk on. Walk on, my girl, walk on. My girl, walk on. Walk on, my girl. Hello and welcome to CB3. Three girls from the CB postcode bringing you cultural, philosophical and nonsensical content every week. Hello, my name is Hannah and this week I started a free online course with MoMA um, about modern art with my mum. Hi, I'm Charlotte and this week my family are at war with a bird who keeps eating our plant seeds. Um, so I understand that it needs to survive but it's quite humiliating and frankly unnecessary. Uh, hello, I'm Darcy and this week I've been bit by midges and I don't like it, honestly, not a fan. Don't like it, I'm already itchy. No need to add to it. This week, we're really excited to have Chris and Ennis with us, who are the hosts of their own radio show at university. Uh, why don't you introduce yourselves? Uh, hello, I'm Ennis. I'm one half of Wet the Bed Again. All right, I'm Chris. I'm the other half of Wet the Bed Again. Amazing. So can you guys tell us a little bit more about what Wet the Bed Again is all about? Wet the Bed Again is a top five radio show in the St Andrews community. And we, we've done it for just over a year now I think we started second semester second year and overall we've just grown through it and tried to find different things we can talk about and mainly it's kind of cultural things internet culture is a thing we specialize in. So tell us a little bit more about the way that you market your radio show because that's something that's a a big feature of I'd say of your radio show. Yeah so we we started just by in the kind of second half of doing the show it started by like filming promotional videos every week which originated from the like I think the first one was the fact that Chris and I wet the bed and both met in the in the laundry room and then it's kind of spiraled out of there and we ended up having a a, a kind of dream sequence by the end of it in which Chris goes into this big dream and ends up peeing the bed and it's yeah it's a bit funny it's probably funnier than the actual radio show. I recommend a view from all the listeners um it's very funny and involves chris falling into a lake so what's not like just quickly interrupt and say i through the commitment of art i fell into that lake twice so and it was freezing even more the second time so i'm a dedicated actor just so you know we applaud your dedication Usually at this point in the podcast, we talk about what we've been consuming this week. So whether a book, a podcast, a series. So Ines, why don't you start off our recommendations? Uh, Sure. Um, Chris and I actually have been watching a TV show called The Last Dance, which is based on Michael Jordan uh, and his career in basketball. It's actually very interesting. And I'm not really a sports fan myself, but I've really, really enjoyed seeing what makes him so great. Did you know much about Michael Jordan before you started watching it? No, and, and that, that's why it's so interesting is because, you know, I kind of knew he was this sort of legend, but I didn't really know why or like what made him so great, but you kind of it delves into that. It's very good. Brilliant. Chris, what about you? What do you have to recommend for quarantine consumption? Quarantine consumption, for me, I've actually not been consuming that much stuff because, well, I don't really know why, but... I've been trying to learn a new instrument, so I've been consuming my own artwork, which has been very <laughs> meh so far, to be honest. But I'm getting better, and that's the key. What's the instrument, sorry? Guitar. Is that Spanish? Yep, that's Spanish. Spanish. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, I don't know if that actually is, but... Now here's Wonderwall. What um, songs have you been 
<laughs> the classic uh, learner piece, Blackbird by the Beatles. A classic. Which, um, which everyone thinks is quite easy, but to be honest, been struggling with for quite a while now. And I've been doing Dust in the Wind by Kansas, which is a good one to learn kind of more um, strumming patterns. But again, I started that thinking it would be kind of easy because I googled easy things to learn and it said that and it's also very difficult. So Amazing. Well, we can't h- wait to hear your finished products. That sounds like a Graham Norton segue into <laughs> me performing. That would be amazing. But um, we'll I'm not doing that. Darcy, <laughs> um, what about you? What do you have to recommend this week? I have been listening to a podcast hosted by two queer Irish guys who are outrageously funny. The first podcast I listened to, episode I listened to was them interviewing Paul Mescal of Normal People fame, who was jokes. And the next one I listened to was about birthdays and they were so funny. Like, I squawk. So I have to like stop. If I'm actually going to have to like pause anything I'm listening to to be like, get out of your system and then resume. And it's called I'm Grand Mam. Irish queer representation. That's what we need. Brilliant. That sounds so good. I actually think I saw like a clip from the interview. It looked fantastic. So I'll definitely be looking at that. Quick question. Is Paul Miskell as universally attractive as everyone seems to think he is currently? Uh, open question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's handsome. Yes. But worth the hype? I don't know. Have you seen the, yes, he is. the program, Hannah? Pardon? Have you watched it? Have yeah. you watched the program? Because I, I haven't watched it and I don't think he's that like, great looking. But I feel like if you watch it, you'd be... There's an element of character development that you subscribe yeah, exactly. to early on. But also I think there's something that's worth noting is that he may look fairly, like the better end of normal for us, but mm-hmm. that's because we're brought up here. So we kind of see those sort of people, also people who are slightly mediocre compared to him, but not like way different. Whereas if you're someone in like somewhere else in Europe and you're not used to seeing people who look like English roses, he's kind of like the epitome of beauty in that sense. But I also think he's fit. So <laughs> apart from all that pseudo-analysis, that's your, that's your answer from me. Um, anyway, so Charlotte, why don't you give us some recommendations? My quarantine consumption from this week has been Latin. So after watching Bon Uzar, which is the film that we're going to be talking about today, I noticed some similarities with the iconic 1995 film Latin and decided to watch it again with my sister, who also studied it for A-level. So she kept pausing it and telling me all about the um, more interesting details behind it and the fine um, moments that happened. Brilliant. Darcy, didn't you study Latin at A-level? Didn't I, stu- I, I studied the hell out of Latin. And um, I do think, in comparison to the film we're about to talk about, Latin is slightly more sophisticated, but that could also be the black and white effect and general artisticness that wasn't available around his the fact that you studied it, so you see all these like subtleties that you perhaps wouldn't have seen otherwise. I think also in Lyon, you see more, there are more extremes. Like you see calm, and you see fire, and then you see people sleeping, and you see a riot. Like you see fluctuations of activity, whereas Banizai, you're always a little bit like tense. Always, have you watched Lyon? No, sorry. <laughs> Altogether now, five, six, and no. <laughs> cool. I, if you like this film, I'd recommend watching Lyon afterwards. So, my recommendation for this week is the news quiz. My family and I are massive news quiz fans and I've kind of forgotten about it slightly. So I've been listening to it a lot this week going on walks and it's just fantastic. It's a really good way to catch up on the news and also the comedians that they got on are superb. They're such good quality and it's never failed to make me laugh. So yeah, so that's my recommendation for this week. (laughs) 
So this week we've chosen a slightly different format from the usual Charlotte's webinars and we have chosen to all watch a film independently and then come together on the podcast to talk about it. Charlotte, why don't you tell us a bit more what the film is about? So the film that we're discussing this week is Barnier's Arts or Street Flow and it's largely focused on the lives of three <laughs> brothers of Malian descent and their lives in the suburbs of Paris with particular reference to gangs and police brutality. What were your thoughts of the film, Inez? Uh, I did enjoy it. I thought there were some good moments in it. I thought it had you know, very powerful messages. Um, I think some bits of it were a bit awkward in a way, like trying to work in the kind of mi the mixing of the two uh, the sort of themes of the film. And uh, the ending just kind of was a bit strange to me. It seemed sort of out of place in a way. But I did what, enjoy it. What did you not like about the ending? Like, what about it really seemed out of place? Spoilers, sorry. Um, hopefully you would have... No, yeah, straight into the spoilers. It just seemed sort of out of the blue in a way, to me at least. I mean, I thought it, it could have ended without that happening. I reckon watch La N and then rethink about that because I found that it seemed to be to follow like the same storyline. I think it was more powerful in La N, but I think that that's... Right. I don't actually know if it was directly influenced by it, but it seemed to be following that storyline. Mm. Considering that most of us, three out of five, have not seen Let N, can you just give us a short summary of what it's about, if we're going to be referencing it during the podcast? So it's a story about three young boys living in the suburbs of Paris. There's a, we directly are confronted with their religion, so there's a Muslim boy, a Jewish boy, and a Christian boy. And it's during riots, so the Jewish boy is involved in riots and steals a policeman's gun. I think it's set over three days, something like that, or like 70 hours. It's really, really short. And actually, no, I was going to say what happened at the end, but I won't say that saying as you haven't watched it, but it's really iconic in the art behind it. So there's a lot of this, at one point, Adam's creation in the background, but then what you see is someone buying drugs of someone else, but in the same way as Adam's creation, which is on like the wall just behind so it's like got really subtle um, like beauties like that. And what else is important? Darcy, can you think of anything else that everyone else should know? I think, he, I think there are different like emotions, as in there are different personalities associated with the um, racial profiles of each boy. So the first scene with the Arab boys, him kind of being loud and shouty. The white Jewish boy is very angry from the beginning. And there's a really disturbing scene I found with him tap dancing. And it made me really nervous because I was like, why is he tap dancing? <laughs> what is going on? But and that then, was meant to refer to a bomb, wasn't it? I think that was Yeah, because the, 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 the ticket, yeah, exactly. And there's the thing that we studied was the uh, monologue, the, I can't remember how it goes, but the, the repetition of like different things. There's a very like artistic scene of a Kalashnikov, um, a Molotov cocktail, and you see it falling, and that's like the beginning of the thing, and it's like this little tension in the beginning. Um, and then go back a minute, the Muslim boy. Is very calm and he boxes to get out of his energy so he seems to be like hitting that's the christian boy isn't it i put it on yeah the, Chris... mm, the christian boy is the one who boxes to get out of his energy so he seems to be the one in the middle between his two sort of very on edge um kind of he doesn't want to get involved in the violence that's the key thing so there's definitely um comparisons that can be drawn then like just one that just stood out just now is the boxing like we see the youngest boy i don't remember what his name is but he goes with his brother Demba to okay Okay, that's it. Goes to um, box and find a constructive way to get rid of his frustration and his situation. That's really interesting. 
Um, what did you think about the music school? That's something like particularly very powerful. Um, for those who are going to watch it, or hopefully have by this point, the director of the film is also someone who was himself in the film as one of the main characters and is a very famous French rapper who's written a lot of music, very powerful music actually, which is featured a lot in the film. So yeah, so that definitely added an element that, I don't know, I think transported it very much from my opinion. Like it just made everything, I don't, I don't know, it just really made it a lot more powerful than it would have else ha been. I really agree. I think that one of the most powerful moments was the Lettre à la République where the middle boy in age raps towards, well, facing mirror. And that's one of the songs from the director, Kerry James. But also interestingly, the opening song is his other, a famous song called Banlieu, uh, I think Banlieusard or maybe Banlieu, I'm not sure. And um, something else that I noticed is today I was looking for the first song and it came up saying that all of the songs in the soundtrack from the film were all from black artists, which I think was really interesting. There's a thing with Lion as well, I think it's the same thing in Lion, but they open with Bob Marley, which is like way older than the cast and the, and the story of Lion, but it's the same thing of like sticking to black art if you're going to be using black um, bodies and stories to tell your narratives. We haven't really heard from you, so what did you think about um, the film? Overall, I think obviously the film's message is really powerful, but I think it was far too short. And I think it was, it kind of, I think the, the relationships weren't conceived strongly enough at the start to really build, to build the storyline. Like the brothers weren't, I don't think their relationship was introduced well enough to really feel emotions towards them. I don't think the guy and the, white girl who were debating i don't think their relationship was formed well enough so it kind of seemed very casual and then suddenly it was like a really powerful relationship between them that was being torn apart through social issues and i it kind of i feel like that wasn't established well enough how do you think do you think you would have preferred fewer relationships a longer time on each one or fewer efforts on relationships overall i think i think they should have focused on the strongest relationships, which was, I reckon, I don't know if we've explained this, but the, the kind of mess, the message of the whole thing was, a, or the kind of plot for the whole thing was the younger brother's relationship with the two older brothers, one being a black man striving for academic excellence and, and um, power through education, and the other one who was pursuing a pursuit of crime and but it never really focused on that, I thought, which was kind of weird because that seemed to be the focal point of the whole film. Definitely. But I was just going to carry on from your point in the sense of when the youngest boy um, steals from the opposing like gangster in the neighbourhood, like his whole thought process, it kind of goes from like, oh, no, I don't think we should do it. So suddenly they're doing it. There's no like further kind of arc towards their like final conclusion. I don't know. That's how it felt. I had a moment, I was like, before, when I watched the trailer, I was like, is this going to be another film where we witness black suffering to black success with no real explanation? They kind of sort of made for non-black audiences. And I worry that had we focused too much on the younger brother's journey or the older brother's journey, we would have seen a story we've seen many times over. 
especially in Europe where we seem to forget race happens until it's too like until we're confronted with it. So I do wonder whether the emphasis was, play, was well placed, but the delivery was was wrong. I don't know. I just I was concerned before watching that, that we were going to be seeing like a perpetration of old um, stereotypes in a new package. I completely agree with you. But I think, as Chris said, there wasn't, I don't know, maybe not enough attention paid to all characters. Like, they all had such strong storylines individually. Maybe it was a case of having a slightly longer film that focused on less is more. I don't know. It was a short film. In terms of the subject matter, it was only about an hour and a half. It's, like, close to a children's film duration, which maybe could have also been a comment on accessibility and not making things too, like, pretentiously long. I use pretentious in air quotes because pretension is a contested term. I'd like to add that just... um. With the brother, with the youngest brother's storyline of choosing which path to go on or which brother was more influential, that storyline is completely unresolved and not even touched. I found maybe I missed something, but I didn't. Do you I not think the exam was a good conclusion? Which what was that? Sorry. The last thing you see of him is him handing in his ID to take the diploma test. Right. Okay. So it's yeah, just the I exam agree. that he had like dropped out of. I mean, again, that might not be like that might be too easy an ending. It was more of a hint, I feel. A hint to what his future could be instead of, like we said, a more concrete ending. Um, but I guess that's what they were able to do in the time that they chose. Innes, what do you think of this whole unresolved storyline? Yeah, I don't know. It felt, it felt very slow in the first half. and kind of, There could have been a lot more plot points kind of set up in that first half. Uh, I think, I, to be honest, I, I, I was the same as Chris when I first watched the exam scene i kind of didn't really think okay he's definitely gone with the middle brother he's sort of i sort of just thought oh he's just sitting his exams in a way like it didn't really sit with me that that was what he was doing but yeah i think it, i think it could have been played out a bit bit stronger in a way but yeah you're right it's, it is just like a hint towards what are your thoughts about the relationship between the mother and the eldest child and also the mother with all her children in general darcy you nodded when i asked this so would you like to start us off I thought she was great. I thought she was a nice... When you see the scene of her dismissing her child in the trailer, I, you're right, I, I would have expected a slightly more build-up to understand why there's a tension. But then when you figure out how the dad died, you're like, okay, there's, there is like a, a domino effect here. Her grudge against her eldest son is understandable. And I think also her being a strong presence as opposed to like, she was background because that wasn't what the film focused on. But she had opinions and they were heard and she was still person like main person of the house and like i think i I think she was quite a positive presence so when when her health comes into a risk i thought that was a sort of drastic but kind of not nice but like indirectly nicer of bringing everyone together especially when she was like i've asked for him because like she's yeah i thought that was a nice sort of resolution that i don't think we knew we needed i don't think we needed it but like it was nice that it was there that by the end, at least, there was a happy family until dot, dot, dot. I think also it's worth noting that she's the only woman in the film who doesn't experience sexism from the characters because she's got this strong force, whereas all the other girls are either seen as, like, stupid, like the, um, what's he called? The youngest boy's friend is just, like, the idiot who ruins the whole plan. All the girls in the bars are, like, the pretty waitresses. And the same thing happened in Latin, promise this is my last comparison, is that the whole time it's always talking about the other characters' uh, mums and sisters in a really derogatory way. And that's the only way in which they're seen. Whereas with this 
and also there's a mother who's pictured but she's sewing and it's not very like progressive whereas in this film she has this really important role and you see her confront some young people in a bus and like she asserts her dominance in that situation which I thought was really amazing and they listen to her like the bus driver doesn't have any dominance even though he's a guy but they listen to her and she's like she calls him son doesn't she yeah oh, that was powerful as well I feel like it's also because she kind of rep- represents all mothers so when she tells them off she is very reminiscent of their own mothers and the voice of authority that comes with that I have a question but you can no 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 if you remember do you go no, I'm just going to talk about um, if you want to talk about the incredibly powerful debate sequence that happened, which was just, I don't know about you guys, but my hands down favourite moment in the film. I can't really say moment because it happened over several scenes. I think, I think the debate was by far the best thing, especially because I think it represented a debate, obviously from a complete a position of not experiencing it at all, but like, I think a lot of people who do struggle through prejudice, there is the view. So the black guy was arguing that the system isn't against uh, black people. And the white woman was arguing that the system was against black people. And I just thought that was an interesting way to display it because, because you could see the position of the black guy who had worked hard to get out of it. He was kind of saying, oh, no, if you do work hard, you can get out of it. And I think it's really interesting to view it from that perspective i do think it's worth considering how the film might have panned out differently or if it would have to- would have done at all had they had diff- the opposite debate arguments because i found her argument in the debate more emotional which i think this could be maybe pessimistic but i think in normal debate circumstances using emotion doesn't get you many points so i think for the sake of the film it was more dramatic that needed to be but her listing family members of victims including their father which i thought was a huge twist that if you didn't hear it you would have missed it i thought she had like the yeah the emotion on her side but then i wonder if had they switched it maybe she would have seemed like a bit of a cop out him less so but like him her defending her corner i don't know what do you guys think can i just add quickly the thing about this debate which kind of puzzled me the most was the fact it kind of made it out to seem that it was this big clash where these two people who had a really strong connection were going against each other and arguing. Whereas the whole film had kind of showed them as just two teaching assistants who were sort of into each other. And then suddenly they were like star-crossed lovers who were going against each other over social justice issues. It seemed really odd to me. I think it was definitely a combination of just like various tensions and like her not understanding his experience and like wanting to and then him having gone through all these things with his mother going to hospital and him getting stopped by very racist officers and it was kind of just like the boiling point so like it was two very emotional characters who'd gone through various um experiences trying to kind of like talk to each other but they also had to debate at the same time so it was kind of like you had the overarching arguments that they'd been preparing throughout the whole film and then you had the underlying, like, this is what they really wanted to say to each other. Um, maybe that's reading into it too much, but that's kind of what I got from it. Ines, what do you think? I thought, I thought the debate scene was very interesting. Um, I, did, I, did, I did think it was, I thought it was almost slightly, in a way, kind of cliche and almost, I, I, I hesitate to say cringy, but the way that they, I thought, I thought it would be nicer if they'd kind of expressed their personal feuds in a separate point rather than trying to interweave it into the debate because interweaving it made it just seem a bit strange and kind of like too movie-like in a way. Uh, especially at the end when they were both kind of facing each other 
not fit, sorry, facing the audience and kind of, it, it, it just seemed very strange to me in a way. Uh, but no, I think, I think there was very good points in it and everything. I think it was really emotional. I think the fact that the two brothers visited the brother debating was really important. I think also, as you mentioned, Darcy, when the father is listed in the police brutality offences, that like brought it all together for me because I hadn't realised what like what happened to him. I thought it was direct. I mean, m- might have been directly to do with um, Demba's drug selling, but the fact that it was police brutality sort of brings it back to, as you said, Hannah, the last moment where this boy is arrested is like not arrested but is stopped for just running through the streets which is obviously absolutely horrific and yeah i thought that was just a really good way of bringing it all together so quickly i think going off that though there's no reason the brothers should be there the film kind of at most points to to the idea that the brothers shouldn't be there the older brother and the middle brother don't get on massively and you you'd think that that tension in the relationship would mean that the brother wouldn't be there and the younger brother seems very dis- dissimilar to everything going on. I think there was a clear respect I found from the older brother towards the middle one in that when Suleiman tries to buy drugs from someone, his older brother tells him off straight wins, like, you don't do that here, you're too good for that, which I think shows a lot of respect. And then the following day, he's like, sort of proving his younger brother to his friend being like oh he's amazing he really like impressed everyone I found him to be very respectful especially for someone towards their younger brother yeah definitely and I also think it's just throughout the whole film another like kind of mini plot is the kind of reconciliation of the brothers that you go from the beginning of the film where like he refuses a lift he refuses to really talk to him and the only time when he does is to talk about the younger brother and his development so the brothers showing up at the debate was definitely kind of like a, a physical representation of how their relationship had developed and how much they had reconciled and how like deep down they were brothers and they did love each other even though for a while it was quite difficult due to the lifestyles and the choices that they had made. I think there should have been more tension in the decision to go to the debate from the older brother. I think just the only thing that showed him it was just like one shot of him being in the audience being like yeah this debate is awesome and it like there's so much backstory to that you'd think if you were thinking of it in real life would just be him are like kind of seeing with himself whether he should go to this debate or whether he even wants to go to the debate that goes down to your original point of the film just not going in depth enough about every single like a dynamic that was going on so maybe if they decided to make the film longer that definitely could have been something that they developed more um which is a shame because that should have been looked at but then again there were so many mini plots and like so many different characters developing with each other it's kind of hard to show everything i think there's something to be said about how the film tried to align itself with the hollywood structure or hollywood um stylistic aspects because yes you're right so a lot of these relationships seem kind of props as opposed to like actual narratives to follow also something that i noticed that i didn't the person i watched it with did was that um we only really see passion in a more active way with Suleiman after he's frisked you see the rap or the sort of the, the spoken word in his room once he's been frisked now to someone who isn't oblivious to race relations especially in france we can assume that's not the first time he's been frisked. But for the viewer's sake, that could be the first interaction he's had where the police aren't going to protect him from anything and are in fact the perpetrators of the violence against him on the basis of his skin. And that, to me, was a very Hollywood-esque 
the kind of simplify, simplification of a really profound and complex problem that if someone didn't know French society or race relations in Western Europe might have taken that as like the, the be all and end all of race relations. Like you have one experience and you have an epiphany, not you've, had, you've been a politicised presence since the minute you came out born non-white. To move on, I have a question, which is what are your thoughts on Bambara, which I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, being spoken by the mother in particular? Well, I think she's the only one who speaks it, but what are your thoughts on that in the film? Just a, a question. Do you know more about, is it like Mali French? Yeah, so it's spoken in a few countries in Western Africa, I think. I think Western Africa. I thought it was really nice to include a language that we don't know. I think the inclusion of smaller languages, well, smaller, lesser known languages in this side of the world is really nice. Um, specifically because what I liked on my viewing structure was that there were no subtitles. So you didn't know what she was saying. But her body language and the way she's moving her mouth and general tone insinuated she was taking off her thumbs. Tiny little thing like, I know, I can kind of assume what she's conveying here. Well, I'm wondering whether it was just like, was the intention purely to show that she was like not, like that she, her, was it her father who emigrated? I feel like it was. I think that was mentioned by Suleiman, but I could be making that up. Um, I'm just wondering whether there was any other reason as to why they included the language, like other than just showing that that was, that like she spoke a second language or whether there was actually further reason behind it. Yeah, I, I mean, oh, sorry. I mean, I think Chris and I both watched it. I mean, our, you know, I've, I've, I'm slightly experienced in French, but I'm not terribly good at French at all, really. And it, it was so I, I watched it in French, but with English subtitles. And in that way, it's kind of very hard to differentiate between French and Bambara because, you know, it's both a, a language that I don't understand in a way. So, you know, I, I think that was perhaps lost on me. But. Yeah, to be fair, the only reason I got was it pops up <laughs> in a wee bracket, Bambara, and then you just can continue reading as normal. So I don't know. Skip me a bit. I think it was, an, even if it was meant to be like a bit, sort of... Actually, no, I mean, I reckon if you say that the, if, if one of the actors was actually involved in the creation of the film, I reckon this was deliberate, but I think that does show home life for um, second generation families. Um, there's a familiarity behind including second languages. What I noticed a lot in this film was that there was very little Verlan, which I think is normally an indication of the suburbs because that's where Verlan comes from. And in La End, that's really um, highlighted and really portrayed. Whereas I didn't see that very much, but also I think that I'm now very used to it. Hold on, explain what Verlan is. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's French that's back to front. So, for example, when you have the word femme, so like woman, wife, whatever, it's meuf. So, they so yeah, of... you sort of like split the word in half and then flip it around. And it started off as being something in the suburbs. But I think that also, since my first watching of La N when I was quite a lot younger, and now watching Bon is my family now also use Vernon. So I think that. If there was any, I might not have picked up on it, but I also don't think there was that much. No. Why, why did that originate? Why did that begin to occur, that differentiation? Verla is 
I believe it's just a slang. It's a bit like London slang permeating through other society, other areas of England. Right. Um, so, it's, so it's like slang, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, but it's okay. kind of a whole language in itself, in the sense of like verlaine is l'envers, but they've like the inverse, but they switched. Even the word is like it's quite a clever slang, basically. I would argue that if you're trying to draw comparisons and like understand it, um, in with relation to English slang, it's like the wordplay and the thought gone into it is kind of similar to Cogni writing slang, where you have this whole process that you have to work out. Um, so I guess even though separated by hundreds of years, it's like that sort of idea of very clever, well thought out slang. Um, is there anything else anyone wants to talk about the film? I have one last thing, which is that I was really disappointed in the ending in which we find out that only Demba dies. I think that it would have been better if in that I think that it would be more powerful if as the two brothers are sort of like laying on top of each other, if we didn't know if any of them survived or if any of them died, with particular reference to that end where at the end there's a bullet and you hear it get fired but you don't know who died or if anyone died or if both men died. I think that that's like a more powerful impact because you're then sort of like questioning it and it's up to more interpretation than knowing that obviously the older brother's dead, the other guy needs dead, that's it. And like, you sort of see where this is going to progress later on. I think maybe the unknown aspect that is lost, you could argue um, that the mother not knowing, because just before this scene happens, she's like unfolding. So you can see Denver as part of the family and she reframes it. And then you flip to the scene where the brothers and the shooting and the brother is also the other youngest one is taking the exam. So maybe this kind of unknown aspect, which was lost from a viewer's perspective, from the perspective of like the mom and the youngest brother is very much still current. Just um, interestingly, I, I watched this with my sister, who's a, a film, who, who has graduated as a film student. And she was saying that the good guys or the intelligent guy was always represented by blue and the criminal guy was always represented by red in colouring. And so he, the bad guy was always wearing red and the good guy was always wearing blue. And in the final scene, the oldest brother is finally wearing blue for the first time. And when he's shot, the red sinks back into the blue shirt. Quite a cool imagery, I thought. And super intelligent as well. Not, not, not for me. It's not my point, but quite no, but Thank you to your sister, because I, yeah. I think we'll miss that, safe to say. And then the wee brother's always wearing orange. Just kind of like in between, not even in between, but just like a, a interesting, like he's yet to decide. That's incredible. The colours of the flag of France. That's true. Wow. I really want to rewatch the film now and just like pick up on everything that everyone has said so far throughout the podcast and just, I reckon we'll see it through a different lens completely. So to start off our positive tips section of the podcast, um, Ennis, why don't you start us off? My positive tip of the week is uh, something that I suppose is similar to the kind of theme of this episode is uh, an like album review club that we've been doing. Myself, Chris, and some other friends, where in uh, every week two two friends are given an, or suggest an album to the rest of the to the rest of the group to listen to by the end of the week. And then at the end of the week, we come together as we have done, I suppose, and discuss the the album, the kind of themes of it and what we like and what we dislike. I mean, it doesn't have to be terribly serious and it can sometimes just be, I like this song, I like, I dislike this song, but 
it's a good way to kind of one like it's always nice to give new music two it's always nice to hear new music especially from people you you like and in that way you can respect their music tastes um and three it's also just a good way to kind of catch up at the end of the week that sounds really interesting um what album that someone recommended to you that you'd never listened to before like surprised you and how much you liked it our friend freya recommended this uh, 90s rap album from this this woman named i think it's moni love or something chris do you remember yeah it's moni love yeah um which was it, it was a kind of uh it was it was a rap artist about being a black woman in america in the 90s and it was it was something that I would never really re- listen to on its own, but it was very good and pretty powerful in the way that she she raps completely separately to the kind of stereotypical rap format, which is about money and clothes and women. And it's all about just her being herself. And, and I, like that sort of thing, you know, I, I wouldn't have listened to on my own. But the fact that Freya suggested that is good. And I enjoyed the album. I think it's Down to Earth by Money Love. Brilliant. Um, I think Darcy and I will definitely look into that. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's very like Will Smithy kind of okay. 90s, but the lyrics are very good and she's got a great flow. <laughs> Amazing. Um, podcast listeners, you will not be able to see this, but um, Darcy and I are getting very animated, getting very excited about the prospect. Um, Chris, moving on, what is your positive tip? My positive tip is go outside more because I don't know, especially with exams, I definitely didn't go outside a lot and I maybe got in a slight rut but now I'm spending a bit more time outside trying to soak in the sunlight the weather's a bit better so yeah that sounds lovely Chris I'm really glad you're getting outside more um and having a healthier time um Charlotte what is your positive tip this week so my positive tip is to have a themed zoom call so I've only had one so far and we had a pajama party which was really cute and also convenient then just sort of to bed but i think we've got some bigger plans coming up and it's just a really good excuse to be creative and look through your wardrobe and look through what you had when you were 12 and pull something together i can just imagine you like a matching set with like cupcakes or something amazing um darcy what's your positivity for this week my really positive tip this week is listen to abba's gold album once lent to me by young charlotte connell i think also it's a tribute concert when we were like eight in the corn exchange which was a hoot <laughs> because i thought they were the real people and then i looked at them and i was like you don't look the same um that's what a good Best time day of my life. we had a little silver batons the, the baton yeah that's the um the old light up sticks that just do bits um that's a positive tip um my positive tip for this week is do something slightly outside of your comfort zone so just to change things up a little bit and to get a little bit more inspired I have been um, just trying out new things so for example I usually like to play and mix disco with some afro beats in there and I've been mixing a lot of dancehall and jungle for fun this week and just yeah just try new things and explore possibilities and yeah. Thank you very much for listening to CB3 this week and a massive, absolutely joyous thank you to both Innes and Chris from Wet the Bed again. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show and thank you very much for agreeing. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Hopefully we'll get you on our show next time. That'll be brilliant. Um, So yeah, so just a big thank you from us. I've been Hannah. I've been Charlotte. I've been Darcy. I've been Innes. I've been Chris.
Sexy. 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 Sexy.